Well, today we're wrapping up our series we've been doing for the last month called My Masada. And Masada is a very well-known historical site. We've kind of regurgitated this information every week just in case there's new people that have come. And we just want to make sure that we ingrain it into your heads. Uh, It's an isolated rock plateau where King Herod built a giant, luxurious palace complex. But it's also famous because it's where the Jewish zealots made their final stand against Rome around 72 A.D. There's some that believe, given its geographical location, that it also could have been the site of David's fortress when he was fleeing in 1 Samuel 22 and 24. And the word Masada comes from the Hebrew word Masuda, which means fortress. We titled the series My Masada because we think that Masada is a great metaphor for the way that God acts as our fortress and safe haven. Throughout the series, we've been exploring how God does this by diving into Psalm 18. In this psalm, David reflects how God has been with him in all the dangerous times and adversity and how God has acted as his safe haven. One of our directives here at Twin Falls Reformed Church is that we would be a safe haven for the lost and broken to find peace and healing through Christ and community. Our hope has been that as we look at this psalm, we will greater understand and live into the ways that God acts as our safe haven and Masada. I want to kind of start us off by surveying the crowd. Raise your hand if you ever owned a baby blanket that was somewhat special to you. Raise your hand. Raise it proud. All right. Now, go ahead and put your hands back up if you may have had an unhealthy relationship with that thing where it stayed pretty special for longer than maybe four years. All right. Now, if you're brave... Raise your hand if you still happen to sleep with your baby blanket that you got. All right. No shame. No shame. So uh, I actually locked mine away in some boxes so I wouldn't be tempted years ago. But I may or may not have a sibling or two that has still a pretty close relationship with their blankie. And I used to make fun of them for that. That wasn't until I realized that I still have a blankie. You see, when I was in third grade, I got this new comforter for my bed It's red and green on on both sides. And I still to this day sleep with that blanket every single night. It's like the perfect comfort. It's like cool in the summers. It's warm in the winters. You know how it is. It's gross too. I've only washed it a few times. But um, I'm just kidding. No, but it's it's interesting. We, We have these blankies that we are bonkies, maybe is what you call them. And they provide us comfort and safety. And they do because they've walked through so much life with us. They've experienced things that others will never experience in our lives. And so what we do is we give this ratty old blanket an elevated and exalted existence because of how it's always been there for you. Our psalm, our section of the psalm that we're going to be in today has a kind of similar heart and vibe where David reflects on all the times that God has been there for him. And in doing so, he exalts him because of the ways that he's shown up for him. Our scripture for today comes from Psalm 18, verses 43 through 50. And our scripture reader is Michael Danielson. So Mike, would you please uh, come up to the center of the room? And then could all of you who are able, please stand and rise and face the center of the room for the reading of God's word. Because we do this to remind us that it's central to the way that we live and it's our primary influence to how we live. So whenever you're ready, Mike. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. 
You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. Thanks, Mike. You can all be seated, please. Our passage starts with David reflecting upon the ways that God had provided deliverance. And in verses 43 and 44, it's highlighted how in David's case, God's deliverance changed his circumstances. He went from being attacked to the head of nations. He went from being an unknown to many to people serving and cowering before him. For David, God's deliverance provided victory and it gave him authority over all of his opponents. This wasn't necessarily a new experience for him. Even at a young age, David experienced deliverance when he defeated Goliath. God lifted David up and made him bigger. Throughout this passage, that's what God does. God exalts David above his enemies and his circumstances. To be exalted is to be elevated in status, power, or character. It's being raised high or glorified. When we experience deliverance from God, it can look similar to us where we come from a lower state of being and prowess to a higher and better one. God might deliver us from unemployment to having a full-time salary or a fair wage, from a diagnosis of cancer to being cancer-free, or feeling isolated and alone and depressed to having a life full of life-giving friendships. When God delivers, he exalts us but his deliverance doesn't always take the form of this perfect, happy ending by our standards. He might deliver us from one immediate health concern, but not eliminate the ongoing issues that come after it or the complications. He might deliver us from a dysfunctional marriage or friendship, but not immediately alleviate the pain that it caused you, your kids, or loved ones. Although God's deliverance does not always manifest as we perfectly want it, we always come out exalted. Whether it be gaining a greater perspective, having an improved circumstance, or just experiencing victory, as David did. But we can have a hard time recognizing the different ways that he shows up because he often works very subtly. We frequently miss the subtle ways he shows up because we have this tendency to operate with a certain level of expectancy or entitlement to the way that life is supposed to go. When we or our children get a cold and a few days later feel better, we chalk it up to, yeah, that's just the way it's supposed to go. When we receive our high school diploma after years 
of going through the rigors of awkward adolescence. It's what we've earned. It's not delivering us from that state. Or when we receive a paycheck for the hard work that we put in at our jobs, we don't view it as God delivering us from our bills. We view it as our hard work that we earned. But in this psalm, David doesn't function from a place of entitlement and high expectations. In his reflection on God's deliverance, David exudes gratitude. He recognizes all that he has received, all that he has achieved, all that he has ever overcome has happened because God made a way for that to happen. And he's content with what God has provided. When David reflects on his victories, he cannot help but feel thankful to God for the mighty ways that he's shown up in his life. Something that made David special and a man after God's own heart was that he had an awareness and gratitude for the ways and the roles that God played in his victories. You know, gratitude's not necessarily something that comes easily to us. We struggle with it, even from an early age. For those of us who have children, maybe grandchildren, nieces or nephews, we've all seen or experienced a hungry kid asking for a snack. What you offer them usually initially isn't good enough. You give them like a couple sticks of carrots. Like, this is gross. I would like a bowl of fruity pebbles, please. And so you give them the fruity pebbles. And as they're chomping on their fruity goodness, it's a crapshoot on whether or not they say thank you at all. If you ask them, hey, what do you say? They might say, hmm, good. That's often how we treat God, isn't it? Many times when God offers us provision and deliverance, it might not be our preferred outcome. So instead of being grateful for what we've been given, we easily take for granted what he's given us. When we reflect on the different times we've made it through difficult seasons or have experienced success or victory, how aware are we of the ways that God showed up in the midst of it? Do we find ourselves just exuding gratitude for the ways that God has delivered us. In response to his gratitude, in verse 46, David writes, The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. David is exalted by God. And because of that, God, uh, David exudes gratitude. And from his gratitude, David then in turn exalts God again. He gave him the glory for what he had been delivered from. He gave him glory for his victory. In David's reflection, his response is to give God all the praise. When we find ourselves in a season of deliverance and success, where does our praise go? Does it go to God? Or does it go to ourselves or maybe the people we perceive have helped us to get there? Like the boss who gave us the raise, our coaches, our teachers, our parents, our doctors. It can be easy to attribute all of our success to the hard work that we've put into it. But David chooses to put the attention back on God. He gives him the credit. 
as he reflects on God's deliverance. David responds in a way that we really all should. He makes God bigger than himself. And he uses his victory to give him glory. Whether our deliverance is great or small, a full victory or just a mild success, we always have a platform to give God glory and praise. It's Super Bowl Sunday, which means later a lot of us today are going to be shoving our face with pizza, maybe some hot wings. I'm a sucker for homemade jalapeno poppers, at least when I'm eating them. And then there's this game, the 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's a lot of reasons to watch the game. Maybe it's for the commercials. Maybe it's to see how many times to put Taylor Swift on the screen. But I think the, the most compelling reason to watch the game today is the quarterback matchup. On one side, you have Patrick Mahomes, who's building this amazing football legacy and has the opportunity to win his third Super Bowl. But on the other side, you have Brock Purdy, a former last pick in the draft, who's climbed his way to the biggest stage in football. Now, I've always been a sucker for watching greatness unfold, so there's a piece of me that really wants to root for Mahomes. But I have to admit, it's hard not to root for Brock. On the heels of spearheading a 17-point comeback to win the NFC Championship and get to the Super Bowl, in a post-game interview, Purdy was asked how his personal journey got him ready for the experience. And this was his response. I'm going to read his quote. Honestly, I think it's just a testament to God and where he's taken my life, Purdy said. I've never been the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, or any of that. I feel like I've always had to start, I've always had to sort of fight for what I get and work for what I get. But God has always given me an opportunity, whether that was in high school, college, and obviously the NFL. Getting drafted last, people overlook you and all that kind of stuff. And then all you need is an opportunity. And watch and see what he does. I put my faith and trust in him. And he's gotten me where I'm at. So when I'm down 17 at half, honestly, I'm just thinking, all right, God, you've taken me here. And win or lose, I am going to glorify you. That's my peace. That's my joy. That is my steadfastness. That's where I get it from. And that's the honest truth. So I leaned into that. And sure enough, we were able to come back. That's incredibly powerful, isn't it? On a public stage to, to make that kind of profession of what you believe. God exalted Brock from being the last pick in the draft, which is still a pretty good place, though, to being the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. And Brock's response was to exalt God and give him the glory for the tough journey that brought him here. There's something important for us to remember today. Win or lose, we always have a platform to lift up and praise God, to give him the glory. We just have to be a little bit more aware and a little bit more willing to share. It's hard to give him glory if we don't know what he's doing, if we're not paying attention to the things that he's putting into our lives, the way he's working. How has God brought you deliverance lately? Have you been paying attention? In what ways can you use 
a platform that you currently have to give him the glory. But after giving God glory for his victory, David continues in this psalm by communicating the reason why God is worthy of his praise and why he's worthy of our praise. In verse 46, we see that God is worthy of our praise because he is alive. He's not some inanimate object that we try to worship or some distant being that doesn't care about us. He's the one true living God who wants to be in relationship with us. He's active and he acts on our behalf. He's the source of true eternal life. In a culture where it's easy to directly or indirectly give our praise to inanimate objects or things that are lifeless, maybe like sports, money, success, politics, social media, technology. We have the opportunity to praise a God who actually lives, who actually loves, and actually cares for us. Because of God's love and care for us, it also says in verse 46 that another reason to praise him is because he is our rock. God was David's rock. He was his firm foundation and the one that he trusted and stood on through any adversity he faced. But God being David's rock also represented that he was his fortress and refuge, especially in times of trouble. He knew that God would protect him, watch over him, and keep him safe. David had reason to praise God because ultimately he was his rock and refuge. He walked the talk. He relied on him fully. And God can do the same for us. In our insecurity, in our pain, in our times of trouble, we can rely on him and find peace, love, and security. He can act as our refuge. This passage uses the word rock to tell us that we have the strongest and mightiest protection in our God. He's an unshakable rock, our refuge, but he's also a God who goes before us and he takes action. We see this when we read verses 47 and 48 of our passage. It says, he is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. You, from a violent man, you rescued me. In these verses, David shows God is worthy of our praise because not only is his refuge, he's his avenger. God shows up and fights with and for David. He would defeat and conquer his enemies. He was worthy of praise, not just because he gave him relief or he felt safe with him, but because God actually took action on David's behalf and fought his battles. Whatever we find ourselves fighting through in life right now, God is always with us and in front of us, fighting for us and with us. Whether that's facing addiction, depression, sickness, or the ever-changing cultural values that tempt us to walk away from the way God has called us to live. As his avenger, David also found God worthy of his praise 
because God acted as his rescuer. After saying that God avenges enemies, the psalm says that he also saved him from them. We serve a God who saves and rescues his people. And we see this all throughout scripture. We see it in, in Exodus when, when the Lord saves the Israelites from Egypt and from Pharaoh. We see this when David is constantly in pursuit by King Saul and he's on the run. We see it from Daniel in the lion's den, how the Lord saves him. In our times of distress, we can turn to and rely on our God to rescue and save us. And as David lays out all these reasons he has to pray God, we begin to experience just how much confidence he had in God's willingness to show up and step in as he confronted his enemies. If you look at the language in this passage, it's all he is, he will. There's no he might, he probably. David found his confidence in God, which is what gave him all the more reason to praise him. When we're facing adversity, where does our confidence lie? Where does it come from? Is it from our willpower, our doctor's capabilities, our strengths, or maybe our opponent's weaknesses? Or do we find it coming from the God of the universe standing right beside us? David believed that God would provide. One of the many reasons we have to praise is because we can find our confidence in God. And it's at this moment I want to push the pause button and look at the list of reasons we have to praise him. He's alive, our rock, our avenger, our rescuer, and our confidence. Now, if you've been with us these last four weeks, these themes might seem a little familiar. Over the last four weeks, we've looked at how God is our fortress, or shall I say, our rock and refuge. How God is our enforcer, or maybe better put, our avenger. How God is our rescuer, and how God is our confidence. David's reason he had to praise the Lord was because God was his Masada. God was his safe haven. And he knew that he was worthy of praise because of the ways that he had shown up in his life time and time again. Some of us may have noticed something else from this whole psalm, from today's passage. And that's that it points to a Messiah. This whole psalm, the section we read today, it points directly to Jesus. And we see it again boldly as we conclude our passage. In verse 49 and 50, it says this. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. Do you see how this points to Jesus? God would send his only son down to earth to be king. A king that would be victorious over our greatest enemy, our greatest opponent, which is sin and death. 
And we see this affirmed in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56 and 57. It says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection, he would display the greatest act of unfailing love this world has ever seen. And it's pointing to that in this passage right here. Because of his sacrifice, we have the opportunity to put our faith in him and experience his unfailing love for now and all eternity. Because the gospel is real and the gospel changes everything, we have a reason to praise. And this is exactly what the psalm points to. God is our Masada. And because of that, he sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins so that we could have eternity with him in the safe haven he's prepared for us for eternity. Is that not a big enough reason to praise our God? As we wrap up the series today, I wanted to give a couple questions for us to reflect on this week and maybe moving forward. In what ways has God been our Masada? Have you been paying attention? What are the reasons you have to praise him? So God exalted David. David exuded gratitude. And then David exalted God through his praise. This is the opportunity we have today. God exalted us through Jesus so that we get to send him praise and give him glory for being our Masada and our safe haven. What a great opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the different ways that you show up for us in our lives, for being a safe haven, for being our Masada. And Lord, we ask that if maybe we've been struggling to be aware of the ways that you've shown up for us, that we would see them more clearly. God, we thank you for Jesus, how he ultimately saves us from uh, a, a, an eternal reality that, that's not a good one. And Lord, we just ask that in all we do here today, through our worship, we give you praise and we glorify you. And do the same as we go into our week, whether we're working or hanging out with friends. Let all the glory be to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. But let's close with this blessing. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be one in mind. Live in peace. May the God of love and peace be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone.